0: Good Shepherd Sermon for Sunday, February 19th, 2023. Pastor John Melkey. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church and School is located in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin, in the United States. Our mission is simple and bold. We seek to grow in faith and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus. We want to make him known to others so that they too may share the joys that Jesus has won for them. Here's Pastor. The children are going to come up for a devotion if they'd like shortly after I read a portion of the text from Exodus and then I'll have them come forward. Reading selected verses from chapter 24. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain. Wait there and I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commands that I've written so you can teach them. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered the mountain for six days. On the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses out of the middle of the cloud. The appearance of the glory of the Lord looked like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered into the middle of the cloud and climbed up the mountain. I want the children to come forward then for our brief devotion with them. Good morning. Good morning. There's a room up front. Hi Marcus. You're doing a great job in Oregon by the way. Last weekend, my family got together and played a, a, a card game. It's called Personology. I don't know if anyone knows that game, but Personology is just a fun game to play with your, your family to kind of figure out, to know your family a little bit better. And basically what happens is you have a deck of cards and each person and each of the players takes a card and they read a question and then there's like four or five answers that they have to choose which is the best answer for them. And then that person who has the card has to think about the answer, keep it to themselves, and then the other players have to guess what answer they chose. And then you get a point, of course, if you pick it correctly. Here's the question that we had last week. What am I most scared of, and why? And these are the answers that you could choose from. You're either scared of spiders, snakes, ghosts, cockroaches or scary movies. Now, I don't think I had this card when we played the game last weekend, but why am I most, what am I most scared of and why? What might you think I would choose? Spider. You think I choose Spider? Scary movie. scary movie? Yeah it's possible. Ghosts, okay. So those are all kinds of choices. If If I picked one and you had it correct, you get a point. As you heard in the lesson that we're going to talk about from Exodus, the children of Israel were scared. What were they scared of? Did you catch that? What were they scared of? They were scared of the glory of God. Yeah. Yep, they're scared of his glory because he's on a mountain and it looked like a f- consuming fire. They were really scared. Are you scared of God? There's no reason to be scared of God anymore. Why are you not scared of God anymore? Like the children of Israel were scared when they saw his, th- heard the thunder and heard his voice as he gave them the Ten Commandments. Why are you no longer scared of God? What did God do for you? Does anyone know what God did? He forgives you your sins, right? He sent Jesus, his own son, to be your Savior. So we are not afraid of God anymore because he brings us to his heaven. When he forgives us our sins, we have faith in him. So let's go to him in prayer. And as we talk about God's love and God's glory in our sermon today, Lord God, Heavenly Father, we are not scared of you. We enjoy praising you and thanking you for sending Jesus, your son, our Savior, into this world to, in order to keep all your commands and to die on a cross and rise from the grave so we have life with you in heaven. Guide and direct us through that path today and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may return back to your seats and we'll continue with our message to the rest of the congregation. Brothers and sisters in the faith, If you have ever been invited to a special dinner with a special, famous person, my guess is you are pretty excited to be there. I had that one experience back in 1991, just weeks before I was getting married, and I was able to have a luncheon with the Detroit Tigers radio announcer, Ernie Harwell. It's like going to have lunch with Bob Eucher for Milwaukee Brewer fans. And we had a wonderful time, and it's something I'll never forget. Of course, I'll remember my wedding more, I'm sure. (laughs) But what a wonderful time it was to enjoy a moment with someone famous, to dine with someone who's famous all around the world. In a sense, the children of Israel are dining with the Lord in our text. They're witnessing the glory of the Lord, and the children of Israel had just a small glimpse, and Moses had perhaps a a, a higher evidence of God's glory when he went up on that mountain. So today on this Transfiguration Sunday, we want to witness God's glory. We want to simply stand in awe of it and rejoice in it. We want to witness God's glory. A little background. The children of Israel had already received those Ten Commandments God had thundered down those words from the mountain in Exodus chapter 20. And now we find them, the priests and the 70 elders are joining the Moses up there on the mountain. And they're, what are they doing? They're, they're, it's like they're on a sapphire street, it says. They're eating and drinking with the Lord. What amazing it must have been for them. And then, of course, God says, Moses, we're going to take you up to a higher point. You're going to leave these elders behind. You're going up with me to a higher section of the mountain. And I'm not only just going to give you the tablets of stone in which the Ten Commandments will be, but I'm also going to tell you about the descriptive plans for you building the tabernacle so I can show my presence among God's people as they wander around for what would turn out to be 40 years. As Moses is there receiving that from the Lord, you know what happens. If you were to turn to Exodus chapter 32, what happens? The children of Israel, who are seemingly afraid of God, are wondering, well, Moses doesn't seem to be around anymore. He's gone. And they turn to worshiping a false god, the god of idolatry, the worshiping of a golden calf. They exchange God's glory for something that was fake, something that was not real, something that was worshiping a false god. Can we do the same thing? Can we exchange God's glory in his written word for the glory we find on this side of heaven outside of his word? Is it possible that we can exchange God's glory for something that is not worth anything but it means a lot for us at the time because of what's going on in our lives? Is it possible that we can exchange God's glory for a fake imitation? If we do that, then we are no different than the children of Israel. We are no different than them. And we are reminded to instead witness God's glory and stand in awe of God's glory. As you see, the children of Israel considered the mountain of the Lord to be one of a consuming fire, the God's glory. And Moses tells us in our text here, when Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. Now, I can't find anywhere in Scripture where it gives us a very good description of what the glory of the Lord really is all about, probably for good reason. But as you see, the glory of the Lord is described here in two different ways. To the children of Israel, it's like a devouring fire, a consuming inferno. But for Moses, it's like the cloud represents God's glory. So as we see these words, we find that Moses wanted to see God's glory even more fully later on in his life. And what did God do? Moses said, God said to Moses, no, I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock and you can only see my back. So even then, God did not allow Moses to get a full glimpse of his wonderful glory. It would be too much for us. Of course, why would you think the children of Israel were so focused on God as a devouring fire, a consuming inferno, as they heard his thunderous voice with the Ten Commandments. Well, they knew him pretty well, didn't they, by this time? Think about all the times where he had thundered out his commands. And think about not that long ago where they had witnessed that last plague, that tenth plague, where the Lord God himself killed the firstborn in every house that did not have blood on the doorposts. That angel of death that did that on behalf of the Lord God. And, of course, what happens? They remembered that scene. And they also remembered that scene not that long ago where the actual Pharaoh and his enemies, his army, were destroyed in the Red Sea. God showed his anger toward Pharaoh who was against God's people and against God, the true God of the universe. So you can see why they might consider this God to be one of fire and brimstone, one who described himself as a consuming fire. Well... We want to witness God's glory and stand in awe of his glory. But at the same time, think of what God tells us in his word. What is the first commandment? Quiz time. You shall have no other gods. How does Jesus describe that commandment? He says, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I know I've broken that first commandment over and over again, haven't I? Or what does God say in the fifth commandment? It's not just taking the life and murdering someone, but it also means having those evil thoughts in your heart as if you've committed murder. And the list goes on and on through those Ten Commandments of how we have rejected God's will. Even if you hate someone and get angry with them. Even if you have this gossip about your fellow believer in your heart and speak those words of gossip to other people. And the list goes on and on where we have lied to our God and and been trustworthy with all the things he's given to us and our loving God shows himself to be a condemning God for our sins. So it's very difficult for us to witness God's glory and stand in awe of it when we see all the times we've disobeyed our God. So what do we do? Well, we want to stand in awe of God. But we have a hard time doing that. Maybe because we view God as someone who's not anywhere close by. He's up there in the clouds somewhere. And he's hidden from our sight, so we don't think of him as so real as he ought to be. Perhaps it's possible that we have our own sins cloud our vision of God's glory. And as a result, we think that he can't forgive me of that sin too, can he? Perhaps we see him as a loving God at times, and we see him as a condemning God, and we wonder, what kind of a God is this that allows thousands and thousands to die in an earthquake unexpectedly? He seems to be a just God here, but there's so much injustice in the Lord in the land. How is it possible for a God to be the kind of God we think he is? We witness God's glory. Stand in awe of God's glory and rejoice in that glory. What did Moses do? What are we to do in order to rejoice in God's glory? Well, let's head up north. Let's go north. That's what Moses did. He went higher up in the mountain. And we find that this scene before us in a gospel lesson is where Jesus is on another mountain. Some have concluded that it's the Mount Tabor in Galilee, as tradition holds it, to be the place where Jesus was with his disciples. Others say that it's possible further north up to Mount Hermon. But Whether it's that mountain or the other mountain, it doesn't matter because they both have beautiful views but what's beautiful is what happens on that mountain where Jesus is transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John, and Moses and Elijah appear, and God speaks to us. This is my son whom I love, with him I will well pleased. And Moses and Elijah are doing what? They're talking about Jesus and his preparation to take care of the world's sins. So you see why we can witness God's glory and rejoice in it. There Jesus was willing to come into this world of sin and death and become the ransom price for the world. There Jesus was willing to suffer death on a cross to give full payment for the sins of the whole world. There Jesus did not come with thunder and lightning and and harsh words of judgment. He came conceived and born of a virgin. And then he came as a boy, became a man, and lived God's law perfectly in our place. And he went to that ultimate sacrifice on a cross for all the world's sins. And proved it by his subsequent resurrection from the grave. That's why we can witness God's glory today, not with the harsh reality of his law, but also his wonderful grace that is reasoned for us to rejoice. The Lord God says so we can think about the, the firefighter who goes through building, burn, burning buildings with his special suit on to protect him from the flames. So we can go to God and not be afraid of him. We are protected from his anger with the lifeblood of Christ. We are covered in the robe of Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see that witnessed on the scenes of Scripture over and over again. By God's grace... We are covered in the white robe of Jesus Christ. We are fully clean and pure in His sight. A reason to rejoice. We have a special way to do that, to see God's glory, where God comes to us very personally in the Lord's Supper. We will not see His throne, His sapphire throne on this side of heaven, I guess, like they did in the Old Testament time in our text here. But we get to have Jesus' body in our hands. We get to drink his life-giving blood, the same blood he gave on the cross in the Lord's Supper, to strengthen our faith and encourage us to nourish our faith, to be resolving, to not only share our faith, but to grow in our own faith. The The truth is, God will show forth his just anger and righteousness on the last day. That means that there are some in our community, some in our world who do not know him as a righteous judge a loving Savior God. That's why it's so important for us to share our faith, to proclaim it from the rooftops, while it is still day, before it's too late, so that others will not be condemned for their sins and spend eternity in hellfire, but will join God's holy presence in heaven with him and our fellow believers. This coming Wednesday... I know they're predicting a snowstorm, but hopefully we'll have church that night. This coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, where we set aside time for the next 40 days to understand what Jesus came to do, to remove all of our sins, our blemishes, our faults, and to make us righteous in his sight. Just as Moses spent 40 days with the Lord, so may we spend those 40 days of Lent to focus on just that gift of God, our loving Savior. To witness God's glory, to stand in awe of it, and rejoice in it until he calls us home to heaven. Amen.